Welcome to the Earn Your Edge podcast. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about it for some time. Last time we did this was in November of last year. We talked about this being a uh, regular event or a regular occurrence. What happened? Well, what happened was we got a bunch of unbelievable guests and we made the really wise decision that people would much rather listen to the wisdom of our unbelievable guests in favor of us. But yeah, so that's, that's the first question I would toss at you. Speculate for me. What podcast in golf, very generally, or very granularly, or what podcast in sports just like widely has the guest list that we've had over the last six months? I'm very proud of the guest list that we've put together. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to say anything bad about any other podcasts, but it'd be hard to match what we've done the last little bit. Thanks to you pulling out the Rolodex a little bit. Well, I had some friends in high places that certainly helped me, some agents, some players that lent on some other players. So for those that are out there that haven't uh, gone through our back catalog, certainly something to look for. And that, I, I guess, turns full circle into the recommendation I have. Before we get there, before we get there, feels like we're being stuck in a time warp. And this week, we have golf coming up. How excited are you? Very excited. I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do a quick Edge Express. It's like checking in a little bit. We've had three months where we've been out of our normal routine. And so it's nice just to kind of take stock on what's happened in the last few months. And then for both of us, just to look forward to what we expect to see, we'll give ourselves an opportunity to give some really bad predictions that people can <laughs> play back to us here in a couple of weeks or a couple of months and tell us where we were wrong. So speaking of predictions, what's the over and under on the number of events we can get under our belt before someone, either player or caddy, tests COVID positive? I'll first say that I've been wrong every single chance I've had a chance to make a prediction on anything COVID related. Yeah. So that's that's the preface. But if we get to week two without one, I'll be surprised. I think it's going to happen pretty quickly. Okay. We have a meeting of the minds right there. We have a full agreement. I think week two is probably the uh, the over and under, but I guess uh, but I don't, time, I think, time will test that theory. I don't think that's going to slow anything down. I mean, I, I think that there are protocols in place to keep things going. I even think that it may happen and we may not even know about it and we may not hear who tested. But how would we not know about it? How would we not know about it if they started the event? They're DQ'd. Well, so they get DQ'd. Yeah, sure. And they also have to quarantine for another uh, 14 days. So they miss the next two events. So by process of elimination, we can get, connect those dots back to yeah. a, failed, yeah. a failed test either. Yeah, fair uh, point. But I just saw an article today that a bunch of the players that are coming back for college football, a bunch of players, I think there was five players at University of Alabama at Auburn, they tested their players when they came back and there were mm -hmm. a handful that were asymptomatic positive tests. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that chances of that happening, even maybe the best chance for that to happen is week one, as people have been going about their business without uh, symptoms and not really sure that are aware that they were positive are going to find out here soon because it's the yeah. first chance that many of them will, will have been tested. I agree. Let's uh, shift gears before we lose the uh, the audience because we're going to get to some meat, which uh, is the uh, interview that you have on the back end of this Edge Express. So stay tuned for that. But before we get there, a point of view, we ask our clients often to make appraisal on their skill sets and kind of map a plan of self-improvement. And at the start of the uh, life pause that is COVID, you wrote elegantly about finding opportunity in this situation. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to um, share that point of view and then finish with asking you a question. Use this as an opportunity to explain how you're better. You kind of laid the gauntlet and set out uh, some initiative kind of call to action, so to speak, for anyone that follows us on social media, which was great. But you also kind of took the reins and did something for yourself to make sure that you were using your time efficiently that I want you to share.
I think that we're kind of just hard, hardwired as coaches to try to find, no matter what the situation, try to find some positive. And then we had this unprecedented thing happen where we wanted to make sure that we communicated that message and challenged all of our clients, all of our followers to try to find an opportunity and what looked pretty bleak and still is really for many people. So, and then, you know, related it to our pursuits in golf so that we could focus some of our efforts there. And, you know, the, the challenge has been met by a lot of our clients. You can hear it in the reflection that they've had over just talking to them as this quarantine period finishes. They kind of are looking back at what they've done over the last little bit, whether that's just recharging and balancing their priorities a little bit, or it's the things that they undertook from a skill development standpoint. And that's been really fun to watch. And so you asked about me, uh, really mine, I didn't come to mind my own. Matt Wilson, our buddy Matt Matt from Golf Canada, now the director of instruction at Baltusrol, he reached out and said that he had talked to Phil Kenyon about doing some, just getting on some calls and talk putting with one of the best putting coaches in the universe. And from now, after speaking to him, I can tell you that if someone knows more about putting than Phil Kenyon, I'd love to meet them. I don't know that it exists because <laughs> we, we spent, I don't know, probably 15 hours in Zoom calls where maybe once or twice a week, we'd, we'd get on a couple hour call. And he walked us, me and Matt through basically just how he's looking at improving putting for his players, whether that be from roll dynamic to stroke dynamic to putter fitting to green reading and targeting strategies. In addition to the psychology you talked about. Yeah, exactly. The mindset and so, of putting. Yeah. And it it's, was just an awesome experience to go through. You know, I, I don't feel like putting coaching was a weakness of mine. I actually think it was a strength, but to then sit and talk to someone who's really dedicated the majority of their life to being an expert in this one area was a real treat and a real privilege to do. And, and Phil is incredibly generous and he's a wonderful, you know, as most coaches are, he's a good teacher. And so, you know, I, I remember several times reaching out to you in the middle of, of talking this and being like, Hey, can you talk me through this? This is a little over my head. I mean, we were, <laughs> we were going over some, some pretty complex concepts, but after 15 hours of spending time with Phil talking putting, feel even better about my ability to influence that part of our client's game. So I will say uh, just to give him an sh- uh, even further shout, I don't know that I can give him a better endorsement than that, but he's also going to start a, an online education for amateur golfers, for recreational players that want to learn more about putting. So if you don't already follow Phil Kenyon, you definitely should be, but look out for that soon because I certainly benefited from investing some hours uh, talking to him about putting and, and anybody else would too. Awesome. Massive thanks to Phil. Wins, losses, and fails. You know, hold on, hold on. At, I don't, yeah, yeah. Hold whoa, on. whoa, hold on. Whoa, time I'm, out. I'm gonna get, Let's you did, you did some cool stuff. You did some cool stuff that I thought was unique. And as I told you, that it, it kind of felt like it made me feel like I wasn't doing quite enough when I heard you kind of talk to me about some of the things that you were doing with some of your players. So I don't know if you have any interest in sharing some things that you've done to kind of upskill, not only yourself, but just the relationships with your players, as well as preparing them to hit the ground running when, when we start back up next week. Yeah, I guess uh, nothing specific, but just generally a lot of conversations with some really smart people in the golf science community. Um, digging deeper into AMM 3D motion capture, digging deeper into Gears 3D motion capture, just trying to level up my ability to see before I see or to see like I would be seeing as if uh, I had uh, 3D motion capture on. Certainly spent a lot of time in conversation with those players that are remote and that could be just still here in the city of Dallas uh, via Zoom calls and 
collectively doing some, let's say, reading, research, and reflection projects as kind of pods or teams. So the variety of teams that I am on, whether that's Daniel Berger's team or Jordan Spieth's team or Kramer Hickok's team or the LPGA girls, um, doing some consultation with some of the girls back in Korea since they went home and quarantined uh, back over there, but still having the need to, let's say, continue to maintain, if not elevate their games as they're so kind of hard, hardwired to do. Um, it meant that they needed to seek feedback because I couldn't provide that feedback. So it's a really cool thing when we as golf coaches can collaborate with other coaches that we don't have a personal relationship with and kind of shelve or table or preconceived kind of, uh, what's the word for it? Help me out here. Um, kind of ego. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yes, ego for yeah. sure. Table, table the ego and recognize that the person just needs help and uh, we're combining minds, so to speak. So it's been really cool and I feel like I'm better for it because of the conversations that I've had with coaches. But just as importantly, maybe even more importantly, the conversations I've had with players, you know, what we do as coaches is uh, just as much about the relationship and building trust and building the uh, rapport as it is about the X's and O's that we ask our players to kind of drill, uh, drill home on or, or execute on as they uh, dig it out of the dirt, so to speak. So it's been um, probably the most professionally productive and then on a personal level, as you know, I've been um, kind of hammering home on my acoustic guitar. So that's right. Yeah. Maybe that'll be in our music podcast. That's uh, yet to be um, kind of uh, incubated, but, I'm not ready to endorse that podcast or the idea to start that yet, but <laughs> you don't want to sing as I play the guitar. I don't know. We need about another six months of quarantine before I think we, we were ready for the musical podcast of Altus and, and performance. We, and we might have to ask anyone listening to the drink quite a lot. Yeah, exactly. All right. Which is, I, which I is not appropriate for our youth audiences. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's move on. Let's keep it. Let's get this brief. I want to talk about wins, losses or fails if you want. And I'll offer, I'll go first. Um, clearly, Oh, there's been a massive break in kind of golf competition, but the wins are certainly golf courses, uh, particularly here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area who are experiencing demand, given that people were kind of isolated at home but still able to go and participate in their physical activity, uh, recreation, so to speak. They're experiencing massive, massive demands, uh, 300 round days for golf courses that typically might be doing 120 so they're reaping the benefits. Golfers having the opportunity to get out and play and allocate time, more time than they otherwise could. But just as importantly, soon to be golf fans coming up this week. So I would imagine we might release this on Thursday or Friday of this week. And that's going to be the, the first or the second round back uh, at on the PGA Tour at Colonial and the first or second round back on the Corn Ferry Tour. So uh, that's my win. What have you got? I think the winners are, I'm, I'm more thinking about the professional or the players that are about to go tee it up for the first time. And obviously I think that there's a lot of excitement right now to get back into competition. But as the next three weeks, four weeks go, I think that the, the grind of a new reality of, of what it's like to be a PGA tour player, some of that excitement will, will wear off pretty quickly uh, as a lot of the amenities that the players are used to. And maybe even, maybe even some, maybe there's a, there's some entitlement to those things. They're not going to be there for a little while. Right. And so I think in the conversations we've had are making sure that you're, you keep a real broad perspective on things and that you're, you're able to reframe and keep the positives and keep the gratitude outweighing any kind of gripes that you have about, 
you got to go straight from the hotel to the golf course to back to the hotel. The food's not the same. The locker room's not the same. The clubhouse's not the same. The courtesy car's not the same. I think that there's an opportunity there to really have some some negative impact on performance over the course of time. And so the conversations we've had are just making sure that, you know, and I, as I say this and anticipate this, I, I will say every conversation I've, I've had with players so far has been just so much genuine excitement. And even at the prospect of not having fans and grandstands and not having the normal I've heard players say this is going to feel like a junior golf tournament. Like this is <laughs> us growing up, like just loving golf. Like, you know, this is just going to feel old school and, or feel like a college event or something like that. So I could be wrong at, at assuming that over time, this will wear, this experience will wear on players. But I think that the winners will be just those people that will be able to keep perspective and find the positive and what could be a challenging situation as they reacclimate to a new reality on the PGA tour. Maybe Same I'm wrong. Up. No, no, no. I, I totally agree. A loss becomes a win, so to speak. And you've been dieting uh, or living the experience or the uh, ideology of uh, Ryan Holiday, turning the obstacle upside down. It's fantastic. But you mentioned something there that I, I want to put a kind of footnote on. Players have been talking about it being a junior golf tournament, feeling like junior golf with no fans and no grandstands. And uh, met with uh, Jordan and Michael Greller today in advance of Colonial next week. And Jordan was just recently over at Colonial playing with Ryan Palmer and um, many, uh, many, many other players and um, some of the members. And Michael said, well, how's it look? How does it look without grandstands behind, let's say, the par three over the water on number 13 or number 17? And Jordan said, well, it looks really different. And he said uh, he was playing with Ryan Palmer and back in 17 when Jordan won Colonial. Sorry, back in 16 when Jordan won Colonial. Ryan was in the final group with Jordan and yeah. running a running a close second, playing 17, and Jordan hit it over to green on 17. And when they got to 17, Ryan Palmer was quick to mention, you know what, Jordan? The grandstand's not there this <laughs> That's year. That's right. That's if right. It happened not to be there the year we were going ahead, it might have been a different situation. And Jordan was quick to pipe up and say, you know, I think I had a three-shot lead at the time. Maybe it was a two-shot lead, but I turned into a three-shot lead when I chipped it on 17. So I think yeah, it would have had you anyway. <laughs> I, I think you ended up winning by four, three or four. But yeah. I do think we're going to see some lost balls. I know that they're going to have like all the shot link people out there and everything, but that is a different obstacle too that we're going to mm-hmm. find out about if it's going to be, you're not going to have the, the benefit of the grandstands and the galleries in certain situations where uh, yeah. you may hit a foul ball. So Yeah. I think I want to skip over the losses. I don't think that we should labor over. Uh, Man, I've loses. got a good one though. Oh, I've got a go good loser. Go I've got yeah. a good loser. Here's the loser right. of this whole, in the world of golf in the last few weeks, there's obviously, this is very relative. And I know that that's probably the reason, the wise reason why you're choosing for us to avoid losers during a pandemic that involves a lot more and other things going on in the world that are far more important than golf. But within our small... You mean the social unrest? The civil unrest? (laughs) Yes. So the small world of golf is what we're talking about. The losers is the board of the official world golf rankings. (laughs) Then making a decision not to freeze the European tour players is an absolute bogey. They're going to, as soon as the colonial restarts, it makes no sense to me. I I can't imagine. And you know what? It it had the support of no one. Uh, Sorry. Mm -hmm. The European tour had the support of no one in this decision. Keith Pelley was the only one that that was voicing or voting against the reason why they wanted it to open up the official world golf ranking. So as soon as the colonial kicks back, the numbers are, are going for everybody. The European tour isn't going to start until the third week of July. Mm-hmm. And so those the next month and a half, month next five weeks, they're just going to be losing points. And, and especially as the PGA tour players are going to be playing in these unbelievable fields, stacked really fields. stacked fields. 
the European tour players are at a massive disadvantage. And I, you, I just can't. Maybe that goes to a prediction. Do you see him make good? Do you see him make right? Do you see some sort of uh, resolution for it? No. So the, the, from what I understand, there were two alternatives that were presented by Keith Pelly, who runs the European tour. And he said either freeze every European mm-hmm. tour player's number as they are right now, or when we come back, Let's weight these events a little heavily so that they don't fall so far behind. And both of those alternatives were turned down. Oh, wow. I understand. And so, yeah, they're just out of luck. They're going to lose a bunch of points. Now, the major fields are locked on a official world golf ranking as of, I guess, March 11th, whatever it was in the middle of March when we left. But yeah, it's a bad call. And they're the losers of this deal. One of the more common questions that we get from Altus clients and listeners is how do I spin it like a tour player? Well, the first step is to treat your equipment like a tour player, and that means that you've got the right golf ball and you've got fresh grooves. Visit Vokey.com to see the spin research that Bob Vokey and his team have conducted to better understand how grooves wear over time. After 75 to 100 rounds of golf, you owe it to yourself to test your grooves to make sure that they're still getting maximum spin from your wedges. Find a fitter at Vokey.com for a spin test soon. Give us a recommendation before we get into our conversation with Michael. Well, I kind of teased on it uh, at the very front end of the conversation. Um, the winners are those that would go back and um, listen to the amazing catalog, back catalog of guests that we've had. And the recommendation might seem self-serving on the front end, but really it's more a recommendation based on our ability to remember and apply learning, specifically that which is like designed to help us get better, which is exactly what we're trying to do on the uh, Earn Your Edge podcast. In fact, in all of the nerdish research that I do, uh, the name Edgar Dale kind of comes to mind. And Edgar Dale was an educator in the 1940s who came up with uh, what he phrased as the cone of experience, which essentially describes what we intuitively know that there are differing levels of kind of recollection of information. You know, we remember um, a variety of uh, things at different levels of ability of recall, whether that's knowledge or just experience. And some of those influences are number one, what is experience, meaning what happens to us or what is it that we learn? Number two, how we experience something. Is it through someone teaching it to us? Is it someone reading it to us? Or are we, are we watching it? And number three, based on the number of exposures, meaning the frequency, the number of times that something is put in front of us. And in fact, there's a chart that's been circulating for decades now. That, and I know how you absolutely love your charts. Love a good um, chart, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that chart speaks something to the essence of we remember about 10% of what we read. Uh, 20% of what we hear, we remember 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, get this, 70% of what we discuss with others, 80% of what we personally experience, or 95% of what we teach others, assuming we teach others the correct concept, we remember it. Yeah. Now, like all that data aside, in fact, it's, that data has been debunked many times over by legit researchers in the field of learning, and we don't bother with the how or the why. But there's levels of truth to this, and I think that anyone kind of intuitively understands that, that we can leverage exposure, we leverage reinforcement. Um, so again, self-serving as it might be, humble brag as it might seem, I'm legit when I say that my recommendation is to dive deep into the back catalog and re-listen to all those high performers and write notes. You'll most definitely find explicit knowledge nuggets and um, some hidden gems along the way that these elite people um, have lived in going about getting better when they live at the tail end of a distribution. 
top two episodes that if you're you're making this recommendation for everybody to go back and check out some past episodes, do you have like a top two? I'm putting you on the spot here. That's so unfair. It's like asking who's my favorite child and the answer is me. <laughs> yeah. well, no, uh, I, I, if, if you ask me top two, I can come up with some really quick. Being victim of recency and also the ever long man crush that I've had on me, Adam Scott was just really uh, good. absolutely outstanding. The yet to be released Justin Thomas episode is a gem. Webb Simpson was also fantastic, but there are so many, so many. I'll, I'll let you go. Kramer, Hickok, and Tony Romo. Uh, so that's just a, a lot further back. That was a lot Way earlier back. on, but those are two of my absolute favorites. You know what doesn't get the traffic that it deserves because we released it so, so early in this whole Earn Your Edge podcast, maybe episode 16 or 17 is Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Talking about the best player in the world, or sorry, one of the best players in the world that gave us so much information because that's like in his DNA. He just talks yeah. and talks and talks. And he and can't, wants to do... can't wait to tell you about it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We may All not right. have him come on again to share with us his recent transformation. We definitely will try. So let's, uh, let's, let's stick a pin in it. Let yep. it pop. And our listeners should keep listening because they're about to learn what? Well, they're going to learn a, a cool story about Michael Gish, the inventor of the Total Golf Trainer, who's a coach just like you and I, but came up with a solution to a problem that a lot of us have had. And it's a, a product that we use probably more than any other training aid, especially a wearable training aid. And so it's a quick interview with Michael, learn more about him, their story. I encourage everybody to listen to it. It was fun for me to, to learn more. And I, I think that everyone will enjoy it. And then stay tuned because in the next few weeks, we've got Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Eddie Pepper. Eddie Pepper. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure the order of that, but those three big ones are coming and we can't wait to, to share that with you. We can't wait to kick off a PGA Tour season again, re-kick off this, this PGA <laughs> Tour season and get back after it. So thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. For the past few months, you've heard us promote Total Golf Trainer as a partner of ours, and they've been supporting the podcast. And our criteria for partnering with you know brands like Titleist and Total Golf Trainer is that we only want to promote those products that we use and that we believe in, and and primarily that would really benefit our listener. And Total Golf Trainer certainly meets that criteria. They've got a, a cool promotion going on right now as we're all trying to figure out ways to work on our games despite the uh, limitations to facilities and access. Uh, and so we wanted to chat with the founder and inventor, Michael Gish. He has a cool story for the origin of the product. And as anyone that we interview in the podcast, there's a lot to learn from exploring that story. So Michael, uh, welcome. We want to thank you you for coming on for a quick chat. And as a starting point, can you kind of give us the quick version of your background in golf? And then we can go into describing how the Total Golf Trainer began to take shape. Absolutely. For Thanks for having me on. Uh, great to be on here talking to you guys, especially about this product during this time when people do need that help at home. I, of course, started teaching about 19 years ago, working out of college. I came and started to work for Jim McLean's Golf Academy in South Florida. And worked a lot of, you know, junior camps and did a lot of lessons and got to watch a lot of really good teachers teach a lot of really good players as well. And through those years, I realized that all the training products that were out there, you know, kind of had a very one set design made for fixing one thing, one thing specific. So I always wanted something that could be a little more versatile, something that as a teacher and as a coach, I could shape into something that I know would help 
one of my students and then could shape it into something that could help my other student and not just have a whole bag full of products that I have to sift through and find one that will work for everybody. So that's where it originated. And it really all started with the old alignment stick drill, which I did for years. And I, you know, still people do a lot out there. And what I found doing that drill was majority of my students would still flip their wrist every time they did the drill and the stick would just hit them on the side, stopping them from actually getting done what they wanted to do and giving them kind of what I refer to as a little fake feedback there. And as soon as I take the stick away, the flip would start coming right back. So ultimately I developed a flexible training rod that goes into our total golf trainer V2 that goes in the back of the product on the back of the club and allows now, if you do flip your wrist to hit yourself and get a little feedback, the rod will bend and it'll give you that feedback to know you're doing it right. And that's where it all originated for me with that product, uh, wanting to do something for my students to help them get better. And then through research and development and talking with different pros and practicing and doing prototyping of the products, you know, in my garage and with different coaches, I realized that these flexible training odds actually open up the minds of coaches and allow them to kind of set the products in what they feel like there's best for their students. Yeah. And I want to, maybe we should have started here because you guys have some awesome videos on your website with all the different ways that the device is used. And it's kind of hard to communicate that over the podcast medium over audio, but can you, if I'm a listener and I'm trying to decide if this is something that could help my game, can you maybe list the, and describe the maybe top three or four drills that you're seeing as the most common as you've gotten the product out in the world and you're able to observe how how consumers are interacting with it? Absolutely, yeah. We'll start with our, our Total Golf Trainer arm, which again, with our flexible training rods, really allows the golfers out there to custom fit to their setup. As you know, every golfer's got a different strength of grip. Some are a little stronger, some are weaker, some are more neutral. And you can set that training rod to start touching on, let's say, your lead hand. So you work on that flat lead wrist as you go back. And if you're looking for a little bit more bowed wrist, you can set the product to get that bowed wrist. And on top of that, you can move it to your trail arm, which again, gives you some of the similar type of feedback. We're always working on some of the same things, you know, club face control, wrist positions throughout the golf swing. And what our products allow people to do, we have left brain people, right brain people, people that learn certain things with a certain touch and certain people learn things from avoiding a certain touch. So our products allow the player out there to determine which setting is going to give them the best feedback. And then again, able to custom set that to their swing, their grip strength, the way they want to see the club move. With our Total Golf Trainer hip device, which is probably the most unique device out there. There really isn't much out there that gives you the feedback that our product does on hip movement. On the lead side, we have it pointing straight out where it's basically 90 degrees to your target line. Sorry to interrupt you there, but just describe the attachment there. Cause you know, when, sure. you, think, when you think about the rod and the end of the club and coming out the butt of the club, that's pretty easy to picture. But then as far as how the rod attaches to hips to give you feedback there. So we, we developed a hip clip that actually will fit over right over your pants. It'll fit over your belt. It'll even fit over the girl's skirts that are out there. We had to try that out and make sure that it worked. And the training rod attaches right in with a little thumb screw and gets set in. And then you can, again, bend the training rod to 
the way you want it to be set up. And it easily slides off from your lead hip, where we like to work on our hip turn and get a great visual for your hip turn. That red ball gets right out in front of you, almost over that white ball on the ground. So you can really see where you're at with your hip movement, not swaying too much in the back swing or not stacking too much if that's what you're working on. And then for the trail side, it really works great for the takeaway. People have that tendency of sucking the club in on the takeaway. And I know I've given numerous lessons to players where I said, Hey, that club's still moving inside. And that player looks at me and goes, well, I I can't feel that. (laughs) And with the training rod there now, it's no question. It's a no brainer. Not only does the player feel it, then they can make that change so much faster. And then for the better players that have that tendency of getting the really fast hips and which is really good for juniors as well, that just have a tendency of firing those hips so fast and don't really know where the sequence of the and the timing of their downswing is this training rod allows everyone from a tour player all the way to the girl that i have that played golf at southern mississippi when i first sent her to college she had that training device set up to where the training rod was actually parallel to her backside on her trail hip and now after graduation she actually has the training rod parallel to her front side up by her front pocket. So she was able to go and practice at college where I wasn't able to see her for, you know, a few months at a time and actually see her own improvement and send me videos showing me, look, Mike, I was able to move it from this position to this position from yesterday to today. It's getting better. And it really gives what what the ownership we always like. We use the tagline, you know, learn your process, but own your swing. So all great coaches out there can only do one thing and that's give you what you need, the process you need to get better. Then that player, that person has to go out there and learn how to own it, make it theirs, make it something they can repeat that's easy for them to do. And that's where our products help reinforce that for players. And then with our, of course, the TGTV2 that attaches to the club, this one has so many multiple settings. My favorite ones, of course, are the long training rod straight out of the back of it. Like I said, for the alignment stick where I originally used it. That one's also really good for some chips and pitches as well. And then using what our hanger setting, so we can set it up in like the hanger device does, where it works on a square club face, but our setting actually has a bend in it where we can work on wrist hinge and lag. So again, we've taken kind of the good things from some of what these products offer and have added even more value to it. So those are kind of the best features that we use or, you know, I've used kind of on a daily basis teaching the ones I kind of gravitate towards. And I think that's what really starts to happen with people. They they get so many options of different settings that they can try and eventually they gravitate towards the one or two or three that work best for them. And that's most important. That's why we're offering free online lesson for anyone who purchases our kit, because I want to make sure that everyone's using the product the best way they can. We also have you guys, which are great, and we have other great instructors. We have an actual instructor locator on our website that allows customers to make a purchase, go to this instructor locator, and find a closest instructor to them that knows how to use this product so they can go get a lesson using the product and leaving knowing how to maximize their practice time. 
you're underrating or underselling one great benefit of it. And that's the case that it comes in that has replaced my big coaching bag of stuff that I would bring <laughs> out because, you know, going to tournaments and now I've got the little case and I've got all the attachments in it and then I've got everything else that I need in there. So, um, like you said, it replaces a bunch of other guides because it does all of those things at once. So that's, that's really nice. And I want to, I want to wrap up with something that can maybe be enlightening to this process that you've gone through because it was funny that you mentioned the hip clip attaching to a skirt. And I'm sure that that was, <laughs> that was number 750 on list of things that you were going to consider when you thought, you know what, I should make a, a flexible training rod. That's that's the initial idea. And then there are like a million other logistical things that you have to consider. What has most surprised you in making this from an idea in your head to ultimately something that was going to be the hands of, of a consumer? I would say all the different pieces that go into it. I think a lot of people out there, especially like for me as a golf coach and, and someone who can be an inventor, I'm an inventor, I'm a teacher, I can show you how to use this product day in and day out until I'm blue in the face. But what I knew I really needed was a great business partner to help me who knew everything about marketing and the internet and how to set up a right website. And like you said, with the cases, you know, this goes to my business partner, Fernando. Uh, he's really helped me turn around the company into the vision I've always wanted it to be. And I didn't know that end of the business and that end of the business. And I'm constantly learning, learning more and more. But I've learned so much about that end of the business and what it takes to really take that product from development. And there's people out there who probably have some of the best ideas in the world that have never actually taken it past conception due to the fact of not having someone that knew how to do that. And that was probably the biggest hurdle for me in learning the business. I've talked to different people, including the owner of the Medicus and other training products and some of the things that some of these companies have gone through. I said to myself, this is not what I want to happen to me. And I made sure that I got the right team on board. So I would definitely say to anyone out there that is thinking they have a great idea, they have something that, that people would like, get someone on there who knows how to market these things, who really knows how to appease the customer, show them what you, they want to see, do great videos and editing as well is very important to really show all the benefits of it. And he's helped me so much learn that aspect of the business that I feel like, you know, we're such a great team. And I feel like with that team is what's really going to make this, you know, a very successful business. Yeah. Well, you've certainly taken something that's difficult and that not a whole lot of people are able to do and do it successfully. And that's why we wanted to chat with you as well as educating our listeners to all the benefits of a product that we use a lot and that we believe in and that we think would benefit them as well. So you mentioned that there was a promotion going on right now. There's a free online lesson for those that purchase it and need to know how to use it. So where can we send the listeners so that they can uh, take advantage of the promotion that you guys are running? They can go right to the website, www.totalgolftrainer.com. And again, on any of the 3.0 kits of all three of our products. And also in these kits, I got to say, they include two foam practice balls that you can hit around at home, practice inside the house. So during this time of uh, social distancing, it's still a good way to, to get some swings. Yeah. Brilliant. And that's the other reason is the timing of this works out good because this is a way that we can continue to earn our edge even when we don't have access to our normal facilities and normal practice conditions. So we appreciate what you're doing, man. We appreciate you, you being a supporter of the podcast and we look forward to this all being over with and we can go back to normal. 
Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, Michael. See you, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about Altus Performance, go check out altusperformance.com. We're also pretty active on Instagram, so follow at Altus Performance, and you can also follow on Twitter at Team Altus. If you haven't done so, please hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast, leave a review, share it with others, and be sure to stay tuned to future episodes of Earn Your Edge. Thanks for listening.